I love books. For those of you who have listened to my Common Sense Therapy uh, podcast, you have come to understand that. I uh, quote from them quite a bit. And those of you who have done the trafficking podcast with me have heard me read from a couple of books and reference a couple of books. I really love historical books the most. Um, I love to learn about history. And as I learn about individuals, I think that that helps us learn even more about history. Now, I am a very weird World War II buff. I never thought that that would be a thing, but that seems to be, I've read an awful lot of personal stories from that time. And so I've garnered a lot of information from that time. The interesting thing is I always knew it was a very evil and uh, difficult time in the history of our world, but I did not think that it related to a whole lot of what we were going through until I started looking at trafficking. And then I realized that what Hitler did to the Jews is very much along the lines of what traffickers do to their victims and how they take away their victims' power, how they rule, how they function as a group and the levels and what they are willing to do to get what they want correlates extremely closely to the Nazis, the SS, the Gestapo, Hitler, what he wanted and why he wanted it, uh, and the people who were willing to do anything for him to get that. So the book that I have been reading lately is called The Librarian of Auschwitz. It is about a young girl who is obviously a prisoner in Auschwitz. Uh, she was moved there from a Terzin or Theresienstadt, and she uh, gets to take care of books that are smuggled into Auschwitz. And so she has this great affinity towards books, which, you know, I can relate to. So I liked that part of it. Uh, but there was a section in it that I read that I feel like, yes, it's very dark and it's going to be very difficult to hear. But if you are going to be aware of what traffickers are doing, you need to hear this part of this book. So some men are talking to uh, one of the, their fellow prisoners who is working in the crematorium, not the crematorium, sorry, in the gas chambers themselves and helping with that. Uh, we remove the lid of the tank and one of the SS guards throws in a canister of Zyklon gas. Then we wait 15 minutes, maybe a bit less, and then silence. Do they suffer? A sigh, followed by another glance heavenward. May God forgive me, you have no idea what it's like. When you enter the chamber, you find a mountain of intertwined corpses. I'm sure many of them die of, of asphyxiation from being crushed. When the poison hits, the body must react horribly. Suffocation, convulsions. The corpses are covered in excrement. Their eyes are bulging and their bodies bleeding, as if everything inside had exploded. Their hands are contorted into claws and twisted around other bodies in an act of desperation, and their necks are stretched upward so tautly in the hunt for air that they look as if they're going to snap. And what's your job? 
I have to cut the hair, especially if it's long or in braids. Then it's picked up by a truck. Since my job doesn't require much effort, I take turns with some of the others pulling out any gold teeth or dragging the bodies to the freight elevator which takes them up from the basement to the ovens. Dragging them is awful. First you have to untangle them from the other bodies, which are a real confusion of arms covered in blood and who knows what else. You pull them by the hand and it's wet. It doesn't take long for your hands to become so slimy that you can't grab hold of anything. In the end, we make use of the old people's walking sticks to grab the bodies by their necks. It's the best way to do it. And then they burn them up top. How many murders a day are we talking about? Who knows? There's a day shift and a night shift. They never stop. There are at least two to three hundred people per session, and that's just in our crematorium. Sometimes there's one daytime session. Other times there's two. Sometimes the ovens can't cope with the number of bodies, and they tell us to take the corpses to a clearing in the forest. We load them up into a small truck, and then we have to unload them again. And do you bury them? <laughs> that would require too many work squads. They don't want that. May God forgive me. The corpses are sprayed with gasoline and burned. Then the ashes are shoveled onto a truck. I think they use them as fertilizer. The hip bones are too large to burn properly, so they have to be crushed. In case anyone hadn't realized it, that's Auschwitz-Birkenau. So one of the things that I find very, very interesting about traffickers and me is that they claim all kinds of things about me without ever having even met me or talked to me or experienced any kind of situations with me or around me. So they tell the world that they're experts about me and they can only tell you the lies that they have been given from the last people that lied about me and the last people before them that lied about me. It's the worst game of telephone that I've ever experienced and I get it all the time. Uh, you've been seeing the stuff that I've been putting up on my common sense therapy page and there was a comment that got put below the police raid video. This woman needs to be stopped. She is causing so much damage. Okay. If you've seen the video, I am sitting in handcuffs being accosted by four armed officers and my sick husband and my female daughters are sitting there beside me and we are being hurt and uh, threatened in a way I never thought would happen to me. So what is it that I need to be stopped from doing? And what have I done that is so incredibly terrible to this person, by the way, that warrants her making the comment that I deserve what she is watching? And that's a very cold, calloused attitude against somebody that you don't know. Now, the thing about these traffickers is they love to lie about me. They love to do it to each other. They love to do it to themselves. They love to do it in groups. I'm sure they do it at their yearly meetings where I'm brought up 
as a topic of conversation and they all uh, fight for the right to be able to give their lies first. I doubt that any of these people know a single truth about me. The interesting thing is, you know, as I have been giving information and been doing this podcast and been sharing what I have learned and what has been done to me, they haven't been able to continue their lies as much because, you know, uh, the doppel one where you read the letter that they sent to me and all of the um things that they did, yes, as a government agency, to lie and violate my rights and make sure that they could do whatever they wanted to. And they banked on the fact that I would stay quiet and so I would have no recourse. Uh, So what you're seeing here is the fact that not only do they think I deserve this, they are ecstatic when they find out that these things are happening to me. Now, some of the things that they are really excited about are things like uh, they made sure that I actually could not attend my daughter's wedding. Uh, My husband is sick and he isn't going to live to any ripe old age. And I don't know if he'll be able to attend my next daughter's wedding because I don't know when she'll be getting married. And so this was our one chance to have me and my husband at my daughter's wedding. And they made sure that that could not happen. Now, I'm not going to get into how that happened in this podcast. I'm going to do that in the next one. Um, But they weren't, they did not feel bad about it at all. They were quite pleased with themselves. Uh, I did a podcast on how much damage they've done to our business and they have been going around bragging about what they've been able to accomplish and how they've been able to, uh, they think, shut us down. Um, Their delusions have not allowed them to listen to the whole story because the whole title of it is The Miracle of Square Peg Ranch, which means it is up and running in spite of the fact that these people continuously try to make it so that it won't be up and running. But they're quite pleased with themselves that this is happening. Uh, One of the very top people of this particular organization that I have been telling you about, and the reason I'm not giving his name is the same reason that I wouldn't give you the name of the town. He is one of the most dangerous people that are in this organization. He is not to be trifled with. And so to give his name, I have to do it at a time where I know that I can keep me and my family safe. He has to be kind of contained in order for me to out him. Uh, Otherwise, he will come after us and we won't be able to stave off that attack. Needless to say, this man is fairly high up in the religion, the church that I um, have been a part of my entire life. And he 
just recently, well, he's also head of a nonprofit organization that is very sketchy. Uh, they claim to help children, but they can't prove that they help any children. And he just very recently got on to uh, Facebook and started promoting his ideas on Facebook. Now, what I actually think happened is that he's looking around at all of the people that are supposed to be under him, and they're not listening to him. And so he got on Facebook to try and contain them and control them because they are so out of control and they're not listening to anything he's saying anywhere else. I have actually been in a personal meeting with this man uh, and uh, Charles Piper, actually. They accosted me for three and a half hours. I came home and I told my husband, I said, uh, be impressed. I held my ground with these very evil and power hungry men for three and a half hours. And my husband's like, okay, I am. That is very impressive. And okay, so what? I sound very egotistical and, ooh, look at me. I held them off. Uh, no, I was able to not give in and to be able to answer all of the attacks against me. And believe me, they were a lot. They were brutal. They were mean. They wanted to put me in my place and make sure that I understood that they were in charge and I was not. Okay, so they hate me and they're leaving you alone and they're not messing with anybody that you care about or that you uh, know or that has anything to do with you. So why should you care about this? And why would I bring up the Holocaust and read such a dark and... Uh, oh, vile piece of <laughs> literature to you to, you know, is it the shock value? No, I don't do that. So let's look at what the Nazis did and how Hitler was able to come into power. Uh, one of the things that he did was he told the German people exactly what they wanted to hear. And uh, he told them, that, you know, certain people were bad and that he was going to help them take care of these people. Uh, he told them that he knew that they weren't getting everything they wanted and he was going to help them get it. Now, yes, it's a very watered down version of history, but I'm not going to take uh, five hours, which wouldn't even begin to touch the surface to get so in depth into it. So you get the watered down version. Uh, so then he starts talking about how horrible these people are. Now, I have done a lot of research on the Jews and Germany and Hitler and the Jews and, you know, all these. And Hitler didn't just hate the Jews. He hated the blacks. He hated the gays. He hated the gypsies. He hated, he hated everybody, including himself. He just had to pretend that he loved himself so that, you know, everybody else would love him. Uh, anyway, so what we've got is this person who is going around telling anybody who will listen that 
the people that he doesn't like are just terrible. I mean, look at them. They are going around and they are being terrible. Well, what are they doing? Well, they're being terrible. I mean, there are so many bad things that they have done. The Jews are the ones who stole your jobs. Uh, okay, but I have a job and the Jews don't. Yeah, that doesn't matter. The Jews have stolen your job and the Jews make more money than you do. Oh my word, do you know how many times I have had to listen to, oh, this one was fun. I sat in a meeting with uh, Charles Piper and a few of his <laughs> friends and they told me that I didn't have the right to say in my business that abuse is bad and wrong. And I looked at them and said, what? Are you kidding me? Uh, that is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to speak out against abuse and people being mistreated. And they looked at me and said, no, you are not because that hurts people's feelings. Oh, I'm sorry if the traffickers and uh, those who go around and use and abuse people have tender feelings that are being hurt because I dare say that they're wrong. Uh, no, that isn't how it works, right? Okay, so you're seeing the correlation already where the uh, traffickers, they have no arguments against me, none. And like I said, they don't know me. They've never come in contact with me. Uh, the ones who have actually don't know me either. And so they're going around and they're saying, well, you know, let's take the this one girl that's the Pipkin's daughter, for instance. If you go on Rachel Pipkin's Facebook page, she goes down and says all these things that I did to her family and cherish. Uh, if you want the truth, I did none of them. Uh, they're the ones who did some of them and then they made up other stuff. Uh, their daughter actually would come to me and say, they're getting ready to ship me off. They are getting ready to ship me off. They don't want me to have anything. They give everything to my brother and I'm not allowed to have anything. They don't want me to have friends. Charles actually uh, would, would not let his daughter go to school dances with boys her age. He was her date. And he took great pleasure in how much that embarrassed her. And so her way to fight back was that she would ignore him and embarrass him. You know, it was, it was her only way to fight back. So what you have here is this dynamic where they can't speak the truth. And so the lies that they say, they have to be to the point that people are either believe it or it sounds so ridiculous that they don't care. And that is where you get the apathy. Now, traffickers, just like the Nazis and Hitler, they thrive in apathy because that is where nobody is going to stop them because nobody believes they're actually doing it. 
So I was talking to a friend of mine and she was asking me, how can you tell if a person you're talking to is a trafficker? And I said, you want to know one of the most interesting things I found out about traffickers in all this time that I have been dealing with them? They do not deny what they're doing. Abusers will. Traffickers will not. Traffickers deflect. And she said, well, okay, great, Mandy, explain that. Okay, so I will. All right, you have a battered woman, right? And she keeps going into the hospital, at the ER, because she's got a broken arm and she's got, you know, a black eye and everybody knows where it comes from. And her husband shows up to pick her up and he looks right at the nurse or the doctor and says, she fell down the stairs. Uh, no, she didn't. And everybody knows it, right? Okay. If that were a trafficker and their victim and they had to take them to the doctor, first of all, they wouldn't, they've got a doctor on staff, but if they had to take them to the doctor and they came in and the doctor said, what happened here? The trafficker would immediately start saying, you know, I wasn't home. I don't know what happened. I get home and she's lying there and she's claiming that, I don't know, somebody attacked her. I don't know. It's just the dumbest thing. And you're over here thinking, huh, well, yeah, that is the dumbest thing. So she must have had an accident or she must have done something. Or do you see how it works better for them? Because everybody knows when you're denying what you're doing. Everybody knows it. And that is, you know, people look at me and say, well, why don't they just deny? Because they lie about everything. Because everybody knows that the denial is a lie. Everybody knows that. And so they cannot do it because they will get caught. So they deflect and they detract. That is what they do. So I told you that the reviews were mostly from the traffickers. And I told you that they were going to be really mad and that they were going to give more reviews. I think it's hysterical that they keep, you know, doing exactly what I say they're going to do and then claim I don't know what I'm talking about. That just cracks me up. But I'm going to just look at one of the reviews and we're going to look at the fact that they don't we're just gonna look at it okay so the first sentence is this woman is crazy and is trying to practice as a therapist with no license all right first of all it's a podcast I am not meeting with anybody one-on-one -on -one. I am talking and you are listening that's it and if you don't want to listen to what I have to say then don't get on my podcast I'm not forcing you um, how do you know I'm crazy? And how do you know that I have no license, right? Okay, so all of this right here is a detraction. It isn't, it has nothing to do with my podcast at all. All right. She had actually been fined several times for breaking the law. Well, no, I haven't. Uh, I know you can go on the Doppel site and it says that I've been fined. Yeah, I know. And I showed you the letter where that's where they find me. 
um, they did it without me even being there. So, you know, the law of the land says you can't do that. It's not allowed. So what they did was they pretended to find me because they had nothing to find me over. They did it when I wasn't present and then they put it on their web page and claims it claimed it as fact. Now, you could say, well, Mandy, that's all great, but, you know, I'm looking at the evidence. Well, so am I. Uh, first of all, I was there. And second of all, I have the one letter and I've got like 10 others that are so similar. Uh, I even have emails where I get emailed by Doppel. And I was talking to my lawyer because I got an email one morning as I was driving into work and I called him up on my way into work and I said, they're saying that I've violated all of these ethics again, even though they have no say so over me because Doppel does not have a say over life coaches. And I was practicing as a life coach at the time. And I so I said, I don't know what to do, but I'm giving this information to you. Do you want to put it in to the our lawsuit against them? And he said, well, let's see what the investigation does. Uh, maybe they'll talk to you and maybe we can get some ground going that way. Call me when they want to talk to you and I will sit in on the meeting. I said, okay, sounds good. I pull into my office parking lot and my email says that they have finished their investigation and I am guilty. Okay, it was a 45-minute drive from my house to my office. How in the world did they do an investigation in 45 minutes where they didn't even talk to me and find me uh, guilty of what? Uh, found out later that they walked into the lobby of my office, looked at my advertising flyer and claimed that that was their evidence that I was doing all of these terrible things that they claimed I was doing. Uh, if they actually had the right to find me, then uh, I would have had to pay the money and I haven't. <laughs> so, you know, you have to look at the facts, right? All right. She turns people against each other and destroys families. Um, I don't have that much control. Do you? I have never turned anybody against anybody else nor destroyed a family. Now, I have had people attack me and I have had people lie about me and I have had people try to destroy me. But I don't even retaliate against them. I was talking to uh, one of my daughter's friends today, and she was saying, you know, I understand why you attack back. And I said, I don't attack back. What I do is I defend and I speak the truth and I give information. I am not attacking back. I am not them. So where is this coming from, right? And then it's run and stay as far away from her as you can. Well, why? What have I ever done to you to make you think that about me? Have I hit you, uh, spit on you, toilet papered your house, kicked your cat? No, you don't even know me. But this is the kind of stuff that I get. Okay, now if... <laughs> 
they could deny what they were doing or actually review my podcast, then that would make a huge difference. But they cannot. And so they deflect and they detract and they make it so ridiculous that it seems like I'm crazy or their lies are true. So another thing that they like to do is to uh, be one way in public and then another way, completely different way in private. Now, I, I get that we all like to put our best foot forward when we're out in public and in social situations. This is not that. So they like to uh, pretend, I mean, their persona, and it isn't a facade, it is a persona. That a social public person that they put out there. They want everyone to love that person. So that person has to be completely uh, amazing and acceptable and uh, almost near perfect. You know, you, you have the philanthropist who was a lawyer in Washington, D.C. and started a nonprofit organization and he travels the world helping people. And you look at his picture and he looks like a serial killer. You're like, okay. I would not want to be in a room with that person by myself. Uh, I would not leave that room. And so, you know, it what they put out does not match who they are. And it does start catching up with them. If you go on uh, Rachel Pipkin's Facebook page, she has this quote and it says, you cannot do ugly things to people and expect to live a beautiful life. Um, all right. So I was at a conference this last weekend. Uh, she was there and I will, um, I would love to, I should have taken a picture of her. Uh, she walked in and I just leaned over to my daughter and I said, oh my word, she is not looking good. Not at all. And my daughter's like, no, none of them are. They're looking terrible. I said, yeah. So that quote is true. Uh, you cannot act bad and have it show up as good. You cannot plant a crabgrass and expect anything but crabgrass to grow. So, you know, they're trying to say, well, look at Mandy. Mandy is just terrible and she's done all these terrible things and she's a terrible, terrible person and people hate her and they don't want to have anything to do with her and, the, uh, you know, she's been fined and, and okay, if I've been fined why, and I've had the police come to my house and I've had all these things happen to me that they claim, then how come all of the times that the traffickers have sent the police to my house. They haven't been able to do anything. And how come all of the times that the government has so-called find me, they haven't been able to do anything? And how come I show up and I don't look like I am... I mean, I am a, I am not a healthy person. I'm, my body's getting old and I have several illnesses and I show up healthier than they do. It's very sad. So you have to look at, you know, there is that quote, by their fruits, you shall know them. And their fruits are showing up rotten. And that is how you know them. 
So you have these different signs on top of all the other things that I have told you. And you are looking at this, uh, you know, we have all of these ways to see these people and yet they are going around and they are getting bigger and more powerful. And the people who are trying to speak out against them are being attacked and nobody's speaking up for them. You know, this conference was a big deal in my town. Uh, everybody was looking forward to it. And I didn't even know that it was happening because, well, I am, you know, the outcast of the town, uh, Burn the Witch. And I went and visited one of my friends one night, and it was the week before this conference. And the people who are in the know of what is going on were pretty sure that this conference was specifically to tell the traffickers that they need to get their act together and start, you know, not breaking the law and hurting these people who are not doing anything to them. Namely, me, my family, my friends, my acquaintances, my business partners, you know, all these people that they are trying to destroy because we had the audacity to speak the truth and try to help people. Anyway, so I come home from visiting my friend and uh, my house has been vandalized and there is rotten food all over toilet paper all over. It's gross. Um, and I come in and I went to my husband and I said, well, so that's nice. Our house has been vandalized. And he's like, oh, good. That's, that's just great. Now, one of the leaders, Charles Piper, he was uh, conducting at this conference and uh, he saw me there. Now, the look on his face was not of, I'm so glad to see you here. In fact, they did everything in their power to make sure that I didn't know that it was happening or where it was happening so that I could not come. They were less than thrilled to see me there. And I, he did not come up and say hi to me at all. Not at the beginning, not at the end. In fact, at the end, Charles Pipkin slinked over to him and those two went out and had a powwow uh, by themselves, which is not what somebody who is in charge of a big conference is supposed to do. You know, slink off after uh, the conference is winding down. Usually they stick around and answer people's questions and talk to them, right? No, he slinked off with Charles Pipkin. And I come home and I'm telling my husband about the conference and right as I'm talking, I get this text from lovely Charles Piper that says, I was so glad to see you there. And, and you know, you're in my thoughts and prayers. And I just, oh my word, I rolled my eyes like my daughter in the raid video when she said, I'm the queen of eye rolling. I think I topped her. Uh, and when I texted him back, because he's a coward, he has not spoken to me in over a year. All I get are letters and 
other people and texts. That's all I get. And if I dare to respond to them, he pretends like he didn't text me in the first place. He will not respond. There is no correspondence going on whatsoever. So he will text me and tell me, I've got all this information. And if I text him back and say, well, no, not really. And that's not how this works. And Or if I text him with a issue that I have, I get silence. There is nothing. And so I texted him back and I said, oh, well, was I in your thoughts and prayers when my home was being vandalized? Because I told you we live in a small town and everybody knows everything. And my neighbors across the street saw it happen and just sat there and watched it happen. You know, these great Christian people that claim to just love their neighbors and, and want to be there for them and want to help them and serve them and, and love them. Well, were you loving me when they were egging my house or were you cheering them on? I'm going to go with the latter because nobody stopped the people who were vandalizing my house. So that is where apathy allows the evil to thrive. Because if these neighbors that we have not done anything to when we moved in, we tried to get to know them. We talked to them. We actually bought the house from their son. And I was talking to him and, you know, we were talking about the whole situation. And and I was trying to get to know my neighbors and be a part of my community. Well, that is a very serious crime. I definitely believe that we should be vandalized and stalked and threatened and hurt because of that. Yeah, that is why apathy is such a strong and powerful tool of those who choose to do wicked because if they can get everyone around them to either be too afraid to say anything or not care to say anything, then they can do whatever they want and nobody will stop them. In fact, one of these lovely neighbors is the person who called the police to have them come raid my house. She has decided that the traffickers are her saviors and that they are just great people who have never done anything wrong to her. I'm like, well, okay, they have hurt you and they are continuing to hurt you because they're encouraging you to do illegal activities and to hurt other people. You cannot hurt other people Rachel was right. That quote is right. You cannot do ugly things and show up as a good person. You just can't. So, you know, they are hurting her and they continue to hurt her. And she still is following them blindly. And in such a show of solidarity, her mom has started supporting Rachel Pipkin and her brother has started supporting Rachel Pipkin. And I, this is where apathy leads. It does not lead to doing good, healthy, and legal activities. It leads to the ability to empty entire towns, cities, countries of people based off of lies and take those people and do whatever you want to them. And everyone turns their head and says, what am I supposed to do about it? 
that's a whole big thing and I can't do anything about it. Well, at that point, you probably can't. But in the beginning, when you are seeing these horrible, wicked people going around hurting others, breaking the law, doing things that they shouldn't be doing, and you stand up and say, hey, you need to knock that off. It's wrong. Then they know that they've got more than one person saying they should not be doing that. There is an actual email that we have that Derek sent his wife where he said, nobody has told me I can't do it, so I'm not really concerned about needing to stop. Exactly. I can give you so many stories from the Holocaust, World War II, and other historical events where big groups of people were hurt because nobody would stop the one person when they had a chance to do it. I had some friends um, many years ago and we were talking and I was saying that uh, prostitution was starting to come into Utah. And she said, I don't want to talk about that. And she said, I'll talk about it when it's in my neighborhood. And I flat out told her, by the time it's in your neighborhood, it's too late. So I was talking to this friend of mine and she was saying, you know, she's, she said, you know, <laughs> Mandy, I've learned way more than I ever wanted to after meeting you. I'm like, yeah, that happens. I'm sorry. And she said, I don't want to know this stuff. But if I don't know this stuff, I can't fight against it. And that is my belief, is that we have to know about things. Knowledge is power, but it isn't the only power. We have to know about things, and then we have to be willing to say, that's wrong. You know, don't do that. And stand up. Stand up for the good instead of ignoring the bad. Because when you stand up for the good, we can fight it. Otherwise, we cannot. I have an activity that I do with uh, young clients of mine who say, what good does it do for me to talk to you? And what good, because I'll tell them, if you have a problem, you need to tell people about this problem. And that's how you're going to get better. And they go, what good is it? And I hand them a piece of paper and I say, how strong is that paper? And they're like, it's not strong. I said, okay, so rip it. And they do. And it's easy. All right. So they rip the paper and then I put the two pieces together and I hand it to them and I say, how strong is that? And they're like, well, it's a little bit stronger, but not by much. And I say, okay, rip it. And you get the gist as you rip it and you put more pieces on top of each other. It is much harder to rip until it actually, research has shown, becomes impossible. There comes a point where you cannot rip so many pieces of paper at one time with just using your hands. That is the power that we have to combat the apathy with. 
that is what was able to stop all of these atrocities is enough people stood up and said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to put up with this anymore. We're going to fight back. There is a show. I It was a miniseries. It was back in the early 2000s, I think. I think maybe 2000. Uh, it's called uh, The Resistance, and it's about the Polish resistance that happened right after the Nazis took over Poland. And it was uh, the Jews and some Poles, and uh, they managed to stave off the German army, the Nazis, the Gestapo, longer than the actual Polish army because they stood up to the apathy. They didn't just roll over and say, well, what can I do? So, these are the similarities and to me they're very scary similarities because we are going along a path where the concentration camps are not our biggest worry these people are selling children they are selling our loved ones they are selling our friends our neighbors they are selling anybody they want to. This is modern day slavery. Now, from every discussion I've ever had, people abhor slavery. Uh, you talk about the blacks being sold and brought over here and uh, put into slavery and not being able to get out and everybody hates it. You talk about human trafficking and nobody wants to talk about it. That isn't how we're going to stop it. It isn't going to work that way. So you have to look at the similarities, at the correlations between the two and realize that we are in a much worse place than what I read with Auschwitz and Birkenau. I have seen what these people do to their victims and it will give you nightmares. It is so much worse than what was happening in the concentration camps. How is that possible? Because those people were being killed. Their suffering was over. And it was horrific how it happened, but it was over. Trafficked victims, their suffering is never over. And when we manage to rescue them, the law then holds it against them that they were bought and sold. And so they are still fighting their entire lives to prove that they are not the person that everybody claims that they are. Those lies that traffickers tell are not just against the people who stand up to them. It is also against their victims. They claim these people want it. They claim these people are happy. They claim these people are part of this and don't want out. That is the biggest lie that they can perpetrate on these victims because these poor, poor victims are experiencing things that you never want to experience. I promise you, it is more horrific than what I read at the beginning of this. So the next steps to recognize if they are traffickers or not is they won't deny what they're doing. They will deflect all day long. 
because they can get away with it, or they will exaggerate their lies because it makes the other person look crazy. They will always lie. These people do not have the capacity to tell the truth. And they will do anything to keep the control they have over their victims. Anything. 